Hey, welcome to, to Big Valley Grace. Let me uh, get some stuff together here. Especially those of you that are visiting with us for the very first time, we're glad you're here. Welcome to all of you that are watching online and all of that, and we always have hundreds of people watching online, and it's uh, good to be back. I, I was on a little vacation. I always take vacation at the end of the year, and uh, it's a good time to rest. It's uh, really one of those great times when I get to uh, obey the Word of God. You see, resting is an important part of our lives. God wants us to rest as human beings. And so you would imagine that if it's God's will that we rest, then our flesh wouldn't, all, you know, wouldn't be that excited about it. That there would be forces at work that wouldn't want you to rest. There would be forces at work, your flesh at work, that would just want to keep you busy, keep you going, keep you doing things. But God says, I created you in such a way that you are to rest. You've got to rest. And one of the things that rest does is this. It doesn't keep you from getting tired because everybody's gonna get tired. That's just a part of being a, a human being. Jesus got tired in John chapter four. He meets up with that woman at a well and it says, tired as he was. So if Jesus got tired, the chances are pretty good you'll get tired. What rest does is it keeps you from getting burned out. And there's a difference between being burned out and being tired. And it's when you're burned out that you become kind of useless for, for God's purposes. And so it's a good thing to get away and just rest. It's a good thing. And for a lot of us, you've got to fight your flesh because it can be a, a pretty tough gig because you just want to keep going, keep working, keep doing things, man. Just keep, keep, keep going, keep going. And God says, no, I, I want you to rest. Hey, inside your program, just kind of piggyback a little bit of what Pastor Bobby said. You know, when you get to uh, the first of the year, there's always a lot of uh, things that kind of kick off. It's kind of a fresh new year, and you're going to want to take this uh, home. We almost didn't get it in your hands. Our, print, our printer broke down this week. And man, people were scrambling around here like crazy just to get something into your hands. And so make sure you take this home and spend some time kind of looking at it, whether you know, you're a student or you have children or whatever it is, and go, Lord, what, what would you want me to do as an individual? What would you want me to do as a family? What might I get in, involved in here? This is a, a, a great document that you need to take home and kind of look at and say, is there something in here that I might invest some of my time, my energy in, that might help me grow in my walk with the Lord? And then this Wednesday night, I start what is called the follow class. I do it once or twice a year. It's eight weeks long, and it, uh, it's in the fireside room. There's childcare and all that kind of stuff. It's around tables, and it's really something that I enjoy a lot. It's way different than this kind of a setting. It's much more intimate. I'd love to have you be a part of it. It primarily is for new believers. We've had a lot of people come to know the Lord in the last uh, few months. 
and we'd love to have you be a part of it. Maybe you've given your life to Christ this past year here at Big Valley Grace. We'd love to have you sign up. All you gotta do is go to our website or even just call the church and say, I'd like to be here, I'd like to be a part of it. That way we make sure we have books and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's this Wednesday, and we'd love to have you, um, you know, be, be, be a part of that. Um, while I was, uh, while I was gone, I, I had a, a, a chance to think a little bit about this next year. And one of the, the questions I'm always asked by my staff, by some of you, some of you did it today, uh, tonight when I got here, or when you got here, I get asked by other churches, I get asked by other ministries who will call and say, you know, well, what are your, you know, what are your goals for 2016? And I have some personal goals. I have some things that I would like to accomplish that I have said, God, if it be your will, I sure would like to do this and this and whatever all those things are in my own personal life. There are some things that I look at as a church family, you know, that I would say, I hope we would all accomplish as a, as a church family. But I don't have a crystal ball. I can't look into the future. But what I can say is this, is that I sure would love for this church to once again just be faithful to the gospel, that we would be a, a, a group of Christ followers who would do our best to trust in the Holy Spirit who is in us, to live God-honoring lives, um, you know, as we kind of go about our day. I just wanted to show you these cards right here were the cards of people from um, just the month of December who... Um, put little stars up in the corner at some of the events that we put on here. And we just did our best to faithfully lift up the name of the Lord through our music, through the preaching. And God was at work in a lot of people's lives. And I look at a stack of cards like that and I go, you know, Lord, I don't know what 2016 is going to hold. I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to be a, a, you know, around tomorrow. I, I don't know. I don't know how it all works. But God, it would be really cool if this church just continued to touch the lives of people and if people kept giving their life to Christ because we're faithful to the gospel and we just kept discipling people, baptizing people, getting people to use their gifts and talents and abilities to serve in the different areas of our church and even in our community or, or whatever. And uh, it's not very exciting. Um, but God's faithful. And, uh, you know, I look back on last year and go, wow, it's unbelievable what the Lord, you know, what the Lord uh, did here. Uh, we're we're going to begin a, a brand new series here today that I've entitled The Bible, The Whole Bible, and Nothing But The Bible. And uh, I'm praying basically that three things would happen in our lives together as we go through this series. Number one, it's my goal or my prayer that as we go through this series that all of us will learn to love our, our Bibles more. That somehow as we kick off this new year basically that this would be a series where we go, wow, man, you know, the words written between these two leather bound covers are really awesome and that we would all love the Word of God a little bit more. Uh, number two, it's my goal or, or prayer or whatever that as we go through this series that all of us will learn to live out what the Bible teaches more. And those are two, two different things. You, you can love the Word of God and, you know, not necessarily do what it says. 
But as we learn to love this book more and more and more, I want us to live it out more and more and more. That's one of my goals. And, and number three, and this is um, the most important one, it's my goal or prayer that as we go through this series that all of us will learn to love Jesus more. You see, it's possible to go through a series like this and when it's all said and done, you, you know your Bible more, you know, you, you, you love your, your Bible more, and you learn to obey more of what it says, but you miss the most important thing about the Bible, and that's Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter five to a group of people that love to study the word. Okay? They loved the Bible, if you will. He said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Beloved, these men had a great desire to know the word of God, they loved the word of God, and they were very committed to living out what the Bible taught, but unfortunately, they didn't know the God of the Bible. In other words, in all their study of the word of God, they totally missed Jesus in it all. They missed him. And I don't want anybody to miss Jesus. He's the most important thing found in this book. Everything we do at this church revolves around Jesus. Everything we teach in our children's ministries and youth ministries and adult ministries is all about Jesus. Our men's ministries, our women's ministries, it's about Jesus. The songs we sing are about Jesus. He's the most important thing in the scriptures. I have, I've heard this illustration before and even shared it with my staff the other day that uh, imagine a beautiful picture that has a frame around it, okay? And you got it up in your home. The, the most important thing about the picture is the picture, not the frame. In fact, it'd be kind of a bummer if somebody walked in and was looking at it and said, wow, that's an unbelievable frame you got up there. And they missed the picture. The, the, the frame is just there to kind of get your eyes on something so it doesn't go all over a wall or whatever. The, the frame is there to kind of bring every, you know, all your attention to whatever that picture is. The point isn't the frame, the point is the picture. And in a strange way, what the Bible is, is a frame. It frames the picture, and the picture is Jesus. But it's possible that you can fall in love with the frame. Man, that's a beautiful frame. Love that frame. Love to sing about the frame. Love to touch the frame. Love to hold the frame. Love to read the frame. Love to memorize the frame. And you miss the point of it all. You see, this didn't, um, wasn't born in a manger. This didn't die on a cross. This wasn't put into a tomb. This didn't walk out of the tomb three days later. Jesus did. Jesus, a person, was born in a manger. Jesus, a person, died on a 
cross. Jesus, a person, was put into the tomb. Jesus, a person, walked out of the tomb. And thank God for this, because it's this that tells us about this child who came and lived and died and rose again, you see. So, once again, my prayer for this series is that when it's all said and done, that we all learn to love our Bibles. I want us to love our Bibles more. I want us to learn to live out more of what the Bible teaches. But hopefully when it's all said and done, you have a greater love for Jesus. That somehow all of you know, your time reading and studying and all the stuff you do in your Bible would make you a greater lover of, of, of Jesus. A lot of people, and unfortunately they're in every church and they're in this church, who love the Bible deeply, they live out the Bible deeply, but I'm not sure they have a great love for Jesus. It's possible that, you know, just, it, just, it just happens. And so I want you to, to, to love the Lord. Now, to start us off, I wanna do a little quiz, a, a little Bible quiz with you, okay? And I think we may do one of these throughout the, the, the series, all right? And so here's the first question. Okay, don't say it out loud, because I want everybody kind of thinking this in, in their brains, okay? The first one, we're, we're, we're you know, kind of a little bit easier and we'll, we'll get a little bit harder. How many books are there in the Old Testament? Is there 26? Is there 36, 39, or 42? The Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, blah, 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 all the way through Malachi. How many books are in the Old Testament? Okay, you got a number in your mind? You think you got the answer? The answer up there is 39. See it right there? 39. 39 is the answer. And how you can remember that, and I shared this at the follow class, uh, I, I, or I usually do, is you got old, O-L-D is three, testament, T-E-S-T-A-M-E-N-T, nine, 39. There are 39 books in the Old Testament, okay? And the Old Testament basically tells us about a God who created us and he made us, that's Genesis chapters one and two, and man, did he love us and care about us. He wanted us to love him back, but Genesis chapter three tells us about sin, and then from Genesis chapter three on, it's the story of a God who promises to send us a Messiah. He promises to send us a Savior. So here we get to question number two, which is how many books are in the New Testament? Okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, all the, how many books are in the New Testament? Okay, you got a number in your mind? Well, the answer is 27. There are 27 books in the New Testament. So the Old Testament ends with the book of Malachi. God goes silent for about 400 or so years and he breaks his silence with an angel who goes to a gal and tells her she's gonna have a baby and that baby was John the Baptist. She goes, he goes to Elizabeth. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And let me tell you how you can remember New Testament. New, N-E-W, that's three. Testament, T-E-S-T-A-M-E-N-T, -E -E nine. Three times nine is 27. That's how you can remember there are 27 books in the Old or in the New, New Testament. All right, so get ready here. I want you to think. Gotta keep your thinking caps on here, okay? Who wrote the book of Matthew? Matthew, right? Who wrote the book of, uh, I don't know, Mark? Mark, right? Who wrote the book of Luke? Luke, who wrote the book of John? 
John, who wrote the book of Titus. Ah! Uh-huh. No, it's Paul. Paul wrote the book of Titus. Just because the guy's name is on the book doesn't mean he's the guy that wrote the book. So I kind of tricked you there, had you going there, had, a, had your brain going in a particular direction, and you thought, man, well, it's got to be Titus. No, it wasn't Titus. Paul wrote it. So just because the guy's name's on the book doesn't mean he wrote the book. Now, you get to uh, Old Testament books like, I don't know, First and Second Samuel. They were written by a guy by the name of Samuel. But Samuel dies about halfway through the second book, so somebody had to finish the thing up. You may not know exactly who it was, but for, for the most part, you know, if, if a guy's name is on it, he probably wrote it. Uh, okay, how many books of the Bible did John the Baptist write? One, two, five, or none? Now think about it for a second. John the Baptist. The answer is none. John the Baptist didn't write any of the books of the Bible. Okay, here, here, here's question number nine, okay? How many churches received letters in Revelation chapters two and three? Was it five, six, seven, or eight? Seven, seven, good, good. Okay, question number 10. Which of these events occurred first? Noah and the flood, or Moses receiving the Ten Commandments. This is kind of one of those chronological tests. Made this one kind of easy, okay? Noah and the flood obviously took place, you know, took place first. Okay, it's getting a little tougher here. Might want to get your Bibles ready. What is the Eighth Commandment? Right? I know number one. <laughs> and then after that, it's kind of downhill, you know? <laughs> it's do not steal, okay? Do not steal is number eight. All right, now, now here, here's what I want to do. I'm going I'm to get a little bit crazy on us here. I got some prizes for the next one. Whoever gets these next ones right, you know, you stand up, you, you got the right answer, you know? Get a free book and a free coffee if you get the answer right. If you don't, we flog you. <laughs> so <laughs> you do not, don't chance it. This isn't one of those game shows where you chance it and you miss and then you just, no big deal. We just, we just take you in the back and people, ah! I'm, I'm kidding. I'll get emails about that, by the way, just to let you know. I'm like, that's, that's, not, that's no joke. Okay, so here we go. You gotta be thinking here. What king said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to become a Christian? You've got to stand up. If you think you know the answer, just stand up. Okay, I see a hand. That's good. Who? King Solomon. No, but that's a, that was a good try. He was a king, but it's not him. Who? Agrippa. Agrippa's right. Hey, take that out there. Right there. That's a great book, by the way. It's called God's Word Made Plain. In fact, our radio program, God's Word Made Plain, was kind of kind of taken from that. Okay, the second one. Uh, this is a great book too about uh, meditation. It's called God's B B Battle Plan for the, for the Mind. Here it is. Who is the first recorded shepherd in the Bible? First recorded shepherd. I see a hand, a gal right back there. Who? No, it's not David. I got to stand around. I used to do it. I like that. Who? Abel. 
Abel's right. Abel is absolutely right. Nice, nice one right there. All right, now. <laughs> and some of you are going, hey, all you're seeing is this. You're right. All right. Uh, okay. Next, next week, this ought to all be jammed up right here. That's about all I can see, to be straight up with you. Uh, all right, last question, and this is uh, a devotional from John MacArthur. It's, it's, it's really, really fantastic, okay? This one's tough, and I'll, I'll look up there first, okay? And you might have to, man, this is big time. This is big money right here. So you gotta, you gotta say, you gotta let me know, man. It's hard to see. Here we go. Who was the best known grandson of Methuselah? Right here. Noah is absolutely correct. The best known grandson of Methuselah. All right, hey, hey, here's a bonus. If you get this right, you'll be a good guy. Because <laughs> I, got, I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> who, was, who was Noah's father? Dad, dad, yeah, that was great. Limit was his father. All right, here we go. Uh, all right, here we go. This one's a, a personal question. How many copies of the Bible are in your home right now? None? One to three? Four to six? Or more than 10? Just kind of think about it. How many do you have in your home right now? Okay. How about this one? How much time each week do you invest in reading or studying your Bible? 14 minutes, that'd be about, that, that, that's two minutes a, a day. 35 minutes, that, that'd be about five minutes a day. Or more than an hour. You think that through, just in your mind. This is just between you and, and, and the Lord. This isn't about anybody else. How much time each week, if you were honest, do you invest in reading or studying your Bible? And the last question is this, how many of you have your Bibles with you right now, or do you have your Bible with you right now? If you do, if you have your Bible with you, I want you to raise it up, put the sword up. Man, a whole bunch of you, man, it's cool. Okay, all right. Here's the deal, here's the deal. I always put the scriptures up on the jumbotron. And the reason why I do that is I wanna be a blessing to those maybe of you who are new, and maybe you don't own a Bible, you never looked at a Bible before, and if I had you turning, you'd never get there, you know? I remember going to church and it was like, man, I don't know. It was like, I just checked out. So I want you to see the word of God for yourself. But that's not an excuse for those of us who know Christ as our Savior not to have our own Bibles. But you have a Bible. And I wanna make sure that you're bringing your Bible. Okay, you, you bring your Bible to church. You need to bring it here. And yes, I know I put them up on the jumbotrons and I usually have them in, your, in, your, you know, in, the, in the program and all of that. But that's not an excuse not to bring your Bible because there could be something that is said where you go, wow, and you just gotta open to that page and just write something, you know, write something down. As we go through this, I've shared this with you many times, for some of you, it's gonna be like, um, 
drinking water from a fire hose, you know, whoa, this is too much. I get it, I've been there. I haven't always, I didn't come out of the womb as a senior pastor. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I remember going to church as a younger person and man, I didn't get much. It was just like, whoa, this is a lot of stuff. I wish somebody would have told me what I'm about ready to tell you. Don't worry about trying to take it all in, okay? Don't worry about that. If you take it all in, great. If you don't, that's okay. But I do want you to keep your mind alert. And if you know the Lord as your Savior, allow the Holy Spirit within you maybe to just be a little bit sensitive because there may be just one thing that I say that you go, whoa, 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 whoa. And for whatever reason that the Holy Spirit just, just kind of makes you stick right there. And you know what? It's okay to just check out of the rest of the sermon. It's okay. All I want is the great teacher who lives within you, the Holy Spirit, to teach you. And it could be that there's one thing that you showed up here, and that's the one thing that God in you wanted you to think about, dwell about, walk out of here and, and, and dwell about, you know, all this next week at work or whatever, whatever it is. And you just write that down, circle and go, wow, Lord, what was it about that passage, that quote, that moment that you were trying to say to me, God? Now, some of you might get a lot out of it. There may be a lot of things. You, you can take a lot of information in, but it's okay if you can't. It's okay. Just look for the one thing. The one thing that God has for, for, for you. I've told you this story before. It's a great illustration that Zig Ziglar used to share. And I want you to imagine I got two dogs up on this stage here. I got two German shepherds, one here, one there. And this German shepherd over here, we're, we're not gonna be very kind to it. We're not gonna feed it or give it any water or anything like that. But this German shepherd over here, you know what? We're gonna feed him a couple times a day, give him the Alpo, give him his water, all that kind of stuff. And we're gonna let about 30 days go by. 30 days, no food, no water. 30 days of eating good food, drinking good water. And now what we're gonna do is we're gonna let these two dogs fight. Well, it's not even gonna be a fight, really. This dog over here hasn't been fed for 30 days. He's weak, he, he doesn't have any strength. This dog over here is healthy, been eating right, and drinking water and all that. It's not, it's not even a fight. Well, the Bible tells us that we have um, two dogs, if you will. We have our flesh, and we have the spirit within us. We have the old man, and we have the new man. And I can guarantee you that the old man is well-fed. The old man, your flesh, is getting three square meals a day. You don't even have to do anything to make sure it's fed. 
Just living in the world feeds it, man. Just driving down McHenry Avenue, looking at the, some of those billboards, walking through the mall and looking at some of the, the crummy things that are in there, just listening to some of the music that you just have to listen to, maybe at your job or whatever. You, you, your flesh is well-fed. Picking up a magazine, you're reading it, and you know just some of the ads of you know people hardly wearing anything or whatever it might be. Your flesh is well-fed. The issue is your, your new man, the, the spirit within you. How well is it fed? Because they're at war with one another. And it's the one who's just better fed. And so the, the scriptures become something very important to those of us that name the name of Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a, a believer, if you're a Christian, if you've given your life over to Christ, let me tell you something, the Bible is a very important thing. Now the whole series isn't gonna be about just data about the Bible. Uh, this, I was kind of throwing some things together this past week for next week and I got off on a rabbit trail and, 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 and well, but we're gonna be looking in the scriptures. And so bring your Bibles, make a commitment to read the word of God throughout the week, study the word of God throughout the week, memorize the word of God throughout the week, meditate on the word of God throughout the week so that the spiritual man, the new man within you is well-fed, okay? Um, now let me start by just filling our minds with some great thoughts from, from the, the, the Bible. Joshua uh, chapter one says this, Study this book of instruction continually. And for him, that would have been the first five books of the Bible. When this was written, he's talking about uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's still the word of, that was the word of God, if you will, back, back then. Study it. Meditate on it. Day and night. When you get up in the morning, Spend some time in, in the Word. Before you go to bed at night, spend some time in the Word so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. In other words, it's not just so that you know it, but hey, I need to know it so that I could actually live it out in my life. Apply it to my family or my business or whatever. Only then, only when you've studied it day and night and you're living it out, Will you prosper and succeed in all that you do? And that word prosper right there doesn't mean necessarily that you know, you're gonna win the billion dollar lottery coming up. I hope you do, and if you do, make sure you tithe on it, okay? You know, uh, <laughs> take care of a few things we gotta take care of around here. Um, just saying. Um, that word prosper uh, and succeed, it could, it could mean that your business would prosper financially. It, it can mean that, but it doesn't have to mean that. There are lots of ways to prosper and succeed in your life that has nothing to do with your wallet, you see. Psalms chapter one. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or in a, in a New Testament sense, follow the uh, Testament sense, uh, follow the advice of somebody who's an unbeliever, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. 
They meditate on it day and night. And you read that phrase a lot throughout the scriptures. They, those that meditate on this day and night so that they're careful to obey all that it says, they are like trees that are planted along the riverbank. See, the thing about those trees is that they always have water. So the roots are deep. Trees are healthy. They bear fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do. Proverbs chapter 30 says, every word of God is flawless. It's flawless. It's not easy. There's a lot of things in here that God calls us to that are very difficult. There's a lot of things that God calls us to do in this book that don't make any sense to us as human beings. They're not logical. There are some things that God will call you to do in this book that will um, not make you the most popular guy you know, in the office. There are some things in this book that God will call you to do that'll make sure you don't get invited to all the cool parties. There are some things in this book that God will call you to do that will bring um, persecution into your life, even here in America. But it's flawless. Flawless. Psalms 119, the great King David said, how can a young person stay pure? That's a good question. It's a good question for us old people. How, How does an old person keep his life pure? Well, it's simple. Just obey the word of God because when you choose not to obey the word of God, you're in sin. Psalms 119 goes on and says, the word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. This is the thing that guides my life. It's the thing that you know, helps me decide, you know, how am I gonna raise my kids? What do I do with my kids? How do I run my business? How do I run my life? Those kinds of things. It's this right here. This is it. Hebrews chapter four says, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And that's one of the reasons why people don't like reading it and studying it and meditating on it and memorizing it. It can be very convicting. You see, uh, before you came here tonight, probably most of you, except for a few of you, I can see all of you, you got in front of a mirror and you, you know, combed your hair and you made sure you looked nice. The mirror showed you what you look like on the outside. And because of our fallen humanity and because of our flesh and all of that, you wanna make sure you look good on the outside. So you'll make sure you, you check yourself out on the outside. It's a hair of comb, that even. This doesn't tell you what you look like on the outside. All this is gonna do is it's a mirror to the inside. It just tells you what you look like on the inside. See, and that's why people don't want to get into it is because when you read it, you go, oh man, I don't like that. That ain't cool. I don't want to do that. Really? Really, God? You got to be kidding me. Really? Pray for my enemies? I don't want to do that. I don't want to pray for my enemies, God. What are you talking about? 
I hate my enemies. And so sometimes it's just easier just to go, you know, I'll show up and I'll sing a few songs or two, I'll throw some money in an offering thing, but I don't want, I don't want to dig into it too much. I, I don't want too much of it. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let this dwell in you richly. Let it dwell within you. Uh, Peter said, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains the same. When I was in the hospital the other day visiting a guy in our church, a great guy in our church, one of the original guys that started Big Valley Grace, and we were talking about that verse right there. There comes a moment in our lives where we're like grass and we just wither away. Go. We don't get to. We don't get to last forever. One of the things that this older man was wrestling around with was his life. Why does God have me here? And I said, "Here's the deal, my friend. God's probably not going to heal you because we don't live forever. You're old. It's one of the ways that God takes us to heaven." He's allowed you to live a long, long life. And now you're getting prepared to go to heaven. But here's the deal. Make the time you got left count. Don't don't give me this I'm old, I can't do anything stuff. Make the life you have count. And that's how I'm gonna pray for you. Not that God heals you because even Lazarus in the scripture who was raised from the dead, remember him? Martha and Mary's uh, uh, brother, and Jesus raises him from the dead. You know what? He ended up dying. (laughs) We die. You can't live forever. You die. Part of the curse. But the issue is when you are older, that you just keep making your life count. Uh, uh, On Christmas Day, he called me and left me a message. On Christmas Day. Old guy sits right back there, nine o'clock hour, and left me this unbelievable message. And I played it for him. And I said, my friend, here's the deal. Why, even while you're laying in this bed, you can pray. You, you, you can send missiles of grace all over the globe from this bed. And listen to this message, and I played it. I said, man, you encouraged me on Christmas morning and you were probably sitting in your Barker lounger at home when you did it. Why don't you take your phone and call up all kinds of people and just, you don't have to move, you don't have to do a thing. Just, hey, you know, just calling to pray for you, let you know you're doing a great job. He used to be one of the great servants of our church. I mean, he'd run around, probably built this thing. I mean, he, he, he can't do that anymore. Can't do it. Fading away just like all of you, just like me. This will never fade away, never. Day you take your last breath and you're in glory, this is gonna be there. I don't know if God's got a big coffee table with it sitting on it, I don't know how it's all gonna work. I just know it's gonna be there, it's gonna be there. 
Jesus said, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He also said this in Luke chapter uh, 21, heaven and earth are gonna disappear, but my words will never disappear, never. One of the verses that best captures the importance of the Bible is 2 Timothy, or is found in 2 Timothy where it says, all scripture, all scripture is inspired by God. That means it's God breathed. These, these people who wrote the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter, all of those guys, they didn't write their own words. The Holy Spirit supernaturally came upon those individuals and the Holy Spirit had them write what he wanted. Now they wrote it in their own personalities. But that's what that means. All scripture is inspired by God. It's God breathed. And it says, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it, it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it. God uses the word of God to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That's a, a weighty passage about the importance of the word of God for those of us that name the name of Jesus Christ. That one verse alone ought to motivate all of us to be uh, uh, students of the word, if you will. God, D.L. Moody said this about the Bible. I've quoted to you before. The Bible was not written to answer your questions, but it was written to change or transform your life. Yes, it answers a lot of questions about life, but that's not why it was written. God didn't write this so you, you know, all your questions about life would be answered. That's not why he wrote it. He wrote it that it might literally change or transform your life. And the question is, is it? Is the word of God transforming your life. If you were to have an honest conversation with your spouse on the way home and you were to say, hey look, I've been a Christian for a year or two years or five years or 10 years or 20 years, have you seen my life transform? If you were to sit down with your kids and go, hey listen, you know, uh, I'm the only dad you've ever known in about the first four or five years, you don't remember anything. But in the last 10 years or whatever it is, have you seen, you know, your old man change? Is my life different? What would kids say? What would your kids say? The primary message that the Bible contains, if you believe it, if you actually believe it, if you really believe it, will radically transform your life. The great apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter eight. He said, for God, uh, uh, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. Now let me tell you something. You're never gonna be his son, but he wants to transform you into the likeness of his son. That's what he wants to do. 
And that means something radically has to change in your life, right? To be like Jesus. Imagine a, a caterpillar crawling up a tree, stops on a branch, spins a cocoon. A few weeks later, a butterfly comes out. That's transformation. That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to take you from being a caterpillar and he wants to transform you into something totally different. Listen, when that butterfly flies out, it can never go back to the branch and ever become a caterpillar again. It's been transformed. Totally transformed. And what God wants to do is he wants to transform your life more and more into the image of Jesus. Now I wanna make sure you understand this. In Genesis chapter one, it says, then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. The Bible says, let us make man in our image. He didn't say, let us make man into other little gods. Because God doesn't want you to be a God. He wants you to be godly. That's what he wants. You'll never be a little God. Never. And God doesn't want you to be a little God. He simply wants you as one of his followers, as one of his children, to be godly. That's what he wants. He wants you to be more and more like his son. He wants you to have God-like character qualities. But something happened along the way. Adam sinned and the image was marred. So God sent Jesus Christ to planet Earth to cleanse us of our sin and thus restore the image, you see? We were made in the image of God in Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 3 comes around, the image is marred. And then God sends his son, Jesus Christ, to restore the image that was marred. And how the image is restored is we become more and more and more like his dear son. So the natural question is, how does God do it? How does God transform you into the image of his son? Well, there's a number of ways. I think God uses the, the Holy Spirit within you. The Bible tells us that God uses the trials of life, the bummers of life, the, the pain and the sorrow of life to transform us more into the image of his son. But without a doubt, one of the greatest tools that God uses is the scriptures, the Bible. This right here. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 12, don't copy the behavior and, and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Man, how does that happen? By changing the way you think. This thing that we all have up here is one of the amazing you know, things that God's given us, a brain. Yeah, we have feelings and emotions. God gave us all those things. But we're not transformed by somehow managing our emotions or whatever. No, no, it's this right here. 
We've got to change the way we, we think. Jesus himself said this in John chapter 17. He said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them. Set them apart. Make them something different. The, 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 the image has been marred and they're all alike. Sin has so impacted them all, but I want you to sanctify them. I, I want you to set them apart. I want them to be different. And that happens when you get into the, 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 the truth. The more you read the Bible, the more you study the Bible, the more you memorize the Bible, the more you meditate on the Bible, and the more the, uh, of the Bible that you actually live out, the more you become transformed into the likeness of his son, the more you live a sanctified life, so to speak. And on a human plane, we, we see this principle, don't we? I mean, the more you hang out with someone, the more you pick up their attributes, the more you pick up their language, the more you pick up their values, right? That's why God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, don't be misled, bad company corrupts good character. You see, you show me who you're hanging out with and I'll kind of show you a little bit about probably your future. Because it's just the way it is, it's just the way it goes down. Well, the same thing is true for us as followers of, of the Lord. The more you hang out with this, reading it, studying it, memorizing it, all those things, hearing it preached, all those things, the more you're gonna pick up the, the character qualities of Jesus, you see? That, that, that makes sense. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter five, he says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. One version says it like this, you are God's children whom he loves, so try to be like him. Now, 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 now here's the deal. Here we have God telling us, I want you to imitate me. And Jesus, the Bible says, was the exact representation of God. So, so here's the deal. In other words, we're, we're to imitate Jesus. God says, I want you to imitate me. I want you to be like me. But here's the deal. It's absolutely impossible to imitate someone you don't know. You, 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 you can't fulfill the scriptures there in Ephesians chapter five if you don't know them. It's impossible to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus if you don't know anything about Jesus, right? It's impossible to live like Jesus lived if you don't know anything about how he lived. So it's super important that you get to know him because it's the only way that you can imitate him. And the only way that you'll ever get to know Jesus is through this. This is it. Yes, you, the, the heavens declare the glory of God. No doubt about it. You, you, you can look at nature and you can see, man, that there has to be a God. He's, he's powerful and he's awesome and there's, he's, he's got some organization to him. And you, you can see some things about God, but that the heavens, looking at the moon or the stars or the galaxies, don't tell you about the love of God, the mercy of God. They don't tell you about the compassion of God. They don't tell you about sin and the wrath of God. They don't tell you anything like that. Looking at El Capitan doesn't tell you a thing about Jesus. It's here. 
It's in this book that we, we read it and we study it and we memorize it and whatever all, we go to men's ministries and women's ministries. We, we're doing all the things we can so that we can fulfill what God says. Imitate me. Imitate me. Imitate me. Dr. MacArthur said this, he said, the Christian has no greater calling or purpose than that of imitating his Lord. As God's dear children, believers are to become more and more like their heavenly Father. God's purpose in salvation is to redeem men from sin and to conform them into the image of his Son. I love what 1 John chapter 2 says. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And the only way we're ever going to be able to do that is somehow this has to become absolutely critical in our lives. You see, the Bible has to be the thing because we can't live like Jesus lived if we don't know anything about Jesus. And this book is all about Jesus. Those 39 books in the Old Testament, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming, the Savior is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. Those 27 books in the New Testament, Jesus has come, Jesus has come, Jesus has come, the Messiah has come, the Savior has come. If, you, if I had to give one um, you know, title to the whole Bible, the Old Testament, Jesus is coming, the New Testament, Jesus has come, the theme of the Bible is Jesus is. Is this about Jesus? So you gotta get your nose into this thing, studying this thing, reading this thing. And that's kind of, a, kind of where we're gonna be going. We'll be looking at some specific things um, about the Bible in the weeks to come, and we'll take little rabbit trails and all that. I think we're, go we're gonna have a great time. I think it's gonna be really, really uh, fun for us to study the scriptures and all of that, and I'll try to, my best to make it super practical. Everybody stand up, okay? I'm gonna pray for us. Father, thank you, Lord, for tonight. And wow, I just love being back. I love the music. I'm so thankful for the music department and their love for you, their love for sacred music. Songs all got my brains on you, Lord. I'm thankful, God, for communion, Pastor Tim leading us through that important moment where we just hold that piece of bread and that cup and it just reminds us of you. <laughs> Thank you, God, for the scriptures because without it, we're just <laughs> we're all just toast. We, we couldn't do anything. We're just lost without the scriptures. And so, Lord, help us to be people who love the word, love to obey the word, and most importantly, we become people who really love you. And um, thanks, Jesus, for your goodness. And I pray this in your name. And all the guys, people said, amen. Hey, Lord bless you. Bring somebody next week. Bring a friend or two.